And now, Father, I pray, speak to us from your word. May your word be spoken this morning and your word alone received. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, despite what we've just heard, that should be a clue. He's going into heresy. Um, despite what we've just heard, aren't we pretty much free to do as we want, to live as we choose, do as we please? Now, first of all, I need to leave aside criminal behavior because, of course, if you don't mind the laws of the state, you're going to be prosecuted, perhaps, and thrown in jail. And in our relationships, there's a certain boundary around what we do, the boundary of love and commitments, like I'm not going to commit adultery because I love my wife and I've made promises. But I'm saying from a Christian perspective, are we pretty much free to do as we please? I refer to the fact that we're not saved we're not made right with God by our good works. We can't earn his love or his blessing or his forgiveness. There are no points for good behavior. As St. Paul wrote, if we are in Christ, we're no longer condemned by our misbehavior. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's basic Christianity, right? The Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans chapter 8. And Paul wrote as well in Colossians, God forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code that was against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. If the law is canceled... Aren't we free to do as we please? Great father of the faith, St. Augustine, said, love God and do what you like. Was he wrong? Christianity 101, right? The central core of the Christian faith, the whole point, Jesus died for my sins, all of my sins, all of your sins, that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Not all of those who behave correctly, but all those who believe we are made right with God. We have our ticket to heaven by our faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So we are free, are we not, to do as we please? Jesus paid the penalty. Have I made my point yet? Am I, are we getting, am I getting through? Moreover, we can't avoid sinning, right? That's in the Gospels as well. We can't avoid it. We've got a sin nature. We've got the blood of Christ, but that doesn't remove the sin nature. We still do wrong all the time. Am I speaking to the right people? And when we do wrong, we simply repent and we're forgiven. Jesus has got that covered. My point is we're saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone boast. So we can't, and we can't do right, and we're forgiven when we do wrong, and we, so can't we conclude behavior is irrelevant. Now, if I stop the sermon there and I said, that's it, then you should all go home and write the bishop and tell him that you've got a heretic <laughs> as, as a priest and, that, and you should get rid of him and you should throw me out the front door. Because, well, let me back up a little bit. It, it, it's no surprise, it should be no surprise, that some churches, some theologians, some denominations believe and teach what I've just been saying. God loves you like you are. He couldn't love you anymore. He won't love you any less. So do as you please. Just don't hurt anybody. There's still a rule, but the only rule, the only ethic in that way of thinking is the ethic of love. 
but love defined as God affirms all that you do and everything that you think as long as nobody gets hurt. I hope you can see. I, I could tell from your laughter you can see. There's a problem with this point of view. This idea, I'll call it license. I think that's a good name for it. It's a theology of license, that we are free to do as we please because Jesus loves us and his blood covers my sin. There's a fatal flaw in the logic. Behavior matters. And that's perfectly obvious as we read scripture. For example, what we just read, all three lessons, I'll come back to them, but all three lessons deal with our behavior. The scripture is full of limits, standards, guidance, chapter after chapter after chapter dealing with our behavior. Rules, instructions, directions, how to live as Christians. And it's in our epistle this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul's picking on the church at Corinth. Why? For their bad thinking? No. <laughs> For their behavior, what they're doing. They're jealous, they're quarreling, they're prideful, they're divisions over who baptized you and who led you to faith. I'm better than you are because I follow Apollos. He says they're babies. Not spiritual at all. They're fleshly. You need milk, he says, like babies, not ready for the solid food of real Christianity when you're going to grow up. And in all of his letters, all of the New Testament letters, there's a big focus on behavior, isn't there? On right living. You know what it's like. Typical of Paul. <clears throat> he says, you've been saved, set free by the blood of Christ, so live as you please. No. <laughs> he says, you've been set free by the blood of Christ, so live a righteous life. And then we have Jesus' own teaching, our gospel again this morning from the Sermon on the Mount. Go back and read it sometime if you want to be depressed. Three full chapters, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's gospel, 111 verses, I counted them, of requirements, rules, guidance, direction on how to live. Not only don't kill, but don't even be angry. Don't commit adultery, not only that, but don't lust. Don't take an oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And on and on and on and on and on, chapter after chapter. But doesn't it make us wonder why? Do you ever think about that? Why? Why, if behavior can't make us right with God, and it can't, and if it doesn't count toward eternal life, then why should we live like it does? I mean, why go back under the law? Isn't that what we're doing? Putting ourselves back under the law. I've got to live like this. Who needs it? And since we don't live, as Scripture says, well, talking to myself again, but maybe you are in the same boat, not always loving, not always unselfish. I do occasionally have a stray thought, an insult comes out of my mouth, I break my word, sinful behavior. Since we do this once in a while, then I think we ought to know why Jesus says what he says, why the scripture is so tough on behavior. Why? If we're not following Jesus' commands on how to live, then at least we better know why we're asked to live that way. Why are we asked to be holy, and what are the consequences if we don't? At least that way, if we understand, at least we can make an informed decision about sin, right? That's just humorous. 
<laughs> I gotta know the rules and the consequences so I can decide whether this is worth it or not. Okay, so there are lots of reasons for holy living, but I'm only gonna mention three this morning, and I'll be brief. Three reasons to seek holiness, even though as Christians, those of us who are in Christ, the sin won't kill us and holiness doesn't buy us any points. The first reason is that by definition, Christian, quote unquote, Christian is both a status and it's a process. If we've given our lives to Christ, if we've entrusted him for our salvation, then we have the status. We're justified, the word is. We're accounted righteous by God, granted eternal life. That's the status. But that's not all of Christianity. We're called as Christians into a process of growing in holiness. Kendall spoke to this last week. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That's one of our focuses here, maybe our primary focus at the church of Holy, Holy Cross, making disciples We're to follow him. We're to be salt and light in the world as part of what a Christian is. You know, if you th want a definition of what is the goal of the Christian life, the goal of the Christian life is to become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the purpose. That's our process to grow more holy. Jesus said, remember how can you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He who loves me will keep my commandments. Being saved, being Christians means we're in a process. So behavior does matter. Which process are we in? Second reason is the fact that holy living, following the guidance, rules of Scripture, instructions of Scripture, is better. It's better living. It's more blessed and fulfilling and joyous than sin. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Paul just hasn't found the right sins yet, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. My sins, oh, they're fun. Okay, no, no, I do. I do know sin. I've experienced plenty of sin in my life. I was a lawyer for 17 years, after all. <laughs> my apologies to the lawyers. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. Well, well as a priest, I've had plenty of uh, exposure. Privy to lots of folks' experience with sin. Your spouses come in and tell me about it. Um, just kidding. Seriously. We all know, don't we, that sin is not fun, not ultimately. Might be fun for a bit, but not for long. We all too well know the results of doing things our way instead of the Lord's way. We go broke, borrowing, debts drowning us, our marriages fail when one or the other or both don't keep their commitments. We lose friends to gossip or to lies, spreading bad reports. Overindulgence can lead to addiction. Bad stewardship of our bodies can run to chronic disease. Devoting our minds, our attention to unholy things corrupts our minds so that we can't control the craving and that doesn't satisfy. C.S. Lewis was so good on this. I guess everybody that gets to this microphone has to be a Lewis fan, and I'm sorry, but I, I am one. I am one, have been for years. I've read, I think, everything he's written pretty much. But anyway, he's so good on this. Making bad choices long enough, we lose the ability to make the right choice. We train ourselves in a habit, and then we can't get out of it. Sin kills. 
he uses this metaphor of our minds turning slowly one way or turning slowly the other. It's turning slowly toward the Lord or turning slowly away from him, and that's these little steps, little decisions to not follow him or to follow him. Sin kills. God told us how to live and thrive and to, by loving him and with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving one another as we love ourselves. That's our reading from Deuteronomy today, this morning. Love God, he says, and walk in his ways and be blessed and live or walk apart from him, be cursed and die. The life is blessed and joyful while sin finally leads to suffering and sadness and death. Okay, last reason, third and not least, we're called to holiness because our behavior reveals our hearts. We have this heart-behavior dichotomy, but it's really one follows the other. The behavior follows the heart. The heart's always the issue with the Lord, not the behavior, but what we do shouts loudly about what's in our hearts. You know this. You can see it in the gospel. That's what Jesus is talking about. You've heard it said, don't do wrong, murder and adultery. But I tell you, don't think wrong. Don't be angry in your heart. Don't lust. It'll kill you, he says. Our behavior reveals what's inside. You remember Jesus said this. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the overflow of the heart, that the mouth speaks. And all manner of evil comes out of the heart. Our hearts... Bad behavior reveals bad hearts. And if our hearts are not right, the behavior follows. And if our hearts are open, right with God, open to the transforming work of his spirit, then the behavior follows, right? God does his thing. So I want to leave you with encouragement. I think we got off of heresy. I hope we got past the heresy and onto the gospel. Somebody said to me a few weeks back, uh, all, you know, all religions are the same. They all say the same thing. They just tell you how to live, and they all say the same thing. The golden rule, do unto others as you would be done unto. No, they're not all the same. Christianity is completely different. It does tell you how to live, but Christianity says to us, you can't do it on your own. You're not able. You have a sin nature, but... You can go to the Lord and give your life to him, surrender, open your hearts to Jesus Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit, and you receive power to be transformed. Power from without, the Holy Spirit from within. Christianity doesn't tell you you could do it. It tells you to surrender. What a wonderful faith the Lord has given us. What a wonderful way that he set this up. A simple act of surrender, admitting your need. Maybe it's more than, maybe it's more than daily. <laughs> Might be several times a day. Admitting your need, receiving him as Lord again, filled with his spirit, and you'll have the pathway and the status. St. Augustine was right. Love God by which he meant love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God, and then do as you please. Because what Augustine knew was that when we love the Lord like that, our wanters will change. We start wanting to do what's going to please him. And we will find the way of life, abundant life. 
Pray with me, please. Lord God, I thank you. Thank you that you know us, you know our hearts so well, and you've got a plan. Give us grace, Lord, day by day to submit ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen. amen.